friends welcome to making disciples my name is chris rogers and i am your host now today's episode is a conversation with peter martin who has been a part of planting and starting and launching a ministry from the late 90s in the ukraine called hope lebedin now lebedin is in the ukraine and we're in the middle of a war now when this is recorded this is the 28th of february uh, so i'll be putting this out next monday so by the time you listen to this it'll be seven days old so i'm aware that things will change very quickly but hope lebedin i've been working for years in the ukraine and i wanted to talk to peter about the mission and ministry not just the crisis at the moment god is at work in the ukraine and i want to just celebrate what the lord is doing we're going to hear a little bit about the impact on that mission and ministry at the moment because of the war. And then Peter's going to just help us uh, pray into uh, the needs that are happening right now. So this episode today is all about the Ukraine and Hope Lebedin and the work happening there. And, uh, you know, if you don't know much about the Ukraine, it's worth reading some uh, about it. It is uh, a, a poorer country. And it is a country that uh, is very misunderstood. Um, you know, we're not going to get into the politics of it all, but let's be honest, most of us don't understand the politics between uh, the Ukraine and, and Russia. Well, we don't need to. We can pray into the mission and ministry of Jesus uh, and what he's doing. So, friends, I, I hope you find this really helpful and interesting. Uh, you'll see in the show notes, I've got a link to the charity there as well. If you want to support them in any shape or form, it may be that your church, particularly in the Lent season, wants to support mission and ministry in the Ukraine. And this is one of the ways that you can do it. So, friends, here we go. We're going to jump straight into an episode, uh, learning to pray uh, for the Ukraine and uh, and hope Lebedin. Peter Martin, welcome to Making Disciples. Uh, it's so good to have you with me today. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. So we've known each other for a long while now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to talk to you about all the other extracurricular things that we've been involved with. I want to talk to you today about Hope Lebedin. We'll eventually get to a conversation about the crisis in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about Hope Lebedin. What is the work that you're involved with and how are you, you know, you know, you don't run it, but you're involved with it. What does that look like? It started in 1999 and it came from me visiting uh, Russia. Um, just out on the outskirts of Moscow, and I was invited to um, just be attendant, be in attendance to a conference of 650 pastors from the secret and underground church from the former Soviet Union. And it was a time when the church was just breaking out. And when I got there, um, it was five days long, and I heard story after story after story of how the church had survived under persecution and how people, how families had coped with uh, loss of life, um, just tragedy after tragedy because they, they had a Christian faith. And I think this is something that people of my age and, and a bit younger even 
will have heard stories of in the past, uh, but probably thought, well, is it true? And it's not until you really see what they've gone through, does it really impact? And I, I got to that point where I thought, well, what can I do to help? I'm a person that tends to find a need and then set into action, as you probably well know. And um, I thought that the danger here is we can go too big um, and it just is not attainable. So I asked the organisers who I got to know quite well, I said, look, what is the area with the most need? And they highlighted to me this town called Lebedin and a pastor there who was trying to plant a new church in Lebedin. And he, it's a, he said it's the poorest region. You should see him. You should have a conversation. He's got photos of the poverty, everything. So I met with um, Pastor Sergey and just spoke with him about the need. And he showed me these photos and it broke my heart. Um, there were children who were walking the streets that just even in the midwinter only had uh, shorts and T-shirt and no socks and shoes. It was just crazy. Um, Lebedin, let me explain something about Lebedin. Lebedin was the place where munitions were built for the former Soviet army. So when the Iron Curtain came down, of course, then unemployment went because they, they just stopped making munitions there. And so... Since that time, and even to this day, there is still 85% unemployment in that town. Um, a lot what of year, what, what year was this when you were there? You know, give us an idea of time. Scale. November 1999, I was there. Okay. Um, so we're talking 23 years ago, um, but 23 years later. Sumi has been recognised just last year by the Ukraine government as still being the poorest region in uh, Ukraine. It's a rural area. There's only one million people in a, an oblast, which is the county, that is probably, you would probably put the whole of the southeast of England into it. Mm. So to, that gives you a perspective. It's very rural, but because of that, there is little work and there is little hope of any work and people don't the population never mm. grows because the the level of death uh the age rate of death that continues to stay around the average of 54 for a male um and young people leave mm. they don't tend to stay because there's no opportunity there so they go to kiev to kharkiv or Cherkasy, where there are the more um uh, opportunities more opportunities it's more european and there's more wealth to be found mm. so when we looked at this whole project um sergey wanted to look at planting a church and he'd been offered a kindergarten school for ten thousand dollars so um long and short of it all was that my wife and i decided that was it we'll just pay for it and buy it didn't know quite how, but we would do it. And we set out to it, got a few gifts in, and we did it. And it's gone from strength to strength then, already, Chris. Um, we have done other things as well, where we've worked with music. As you know, one of my hearts and passions has been working in Christian music for 30 years. And we made some, uh, uh, we, we put some children's music. They had this whole summer camp program that was going across the whole of Ukraine. And we reached about 25,000 children by giving them all uh, an album of uh, um, Christian music. And I've got a wonderful story about that that we can share at some point. Mm. Um, but it's just, 
it was just incredible how we've got to back then that vision of seeing what we could do and then gone from there. So straight, yeah. one of the first things I did was put 80 tons of aid in the January. And we got a, a truck here from Eastbourne and we just sent out, there was two trucks, two 40 ton Arctic trucks, and we sent them out in January. Um, it's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to it, I think. Yeah. So 23 years of ministering mm. in Lebedin. What has that ministry looked like? Uh, you've mentioned the singing, that you mentioned some of the children as well. But what you yeah. know, what would a typical year look like? What you know, you could say a typical day, but you know, we know that there are things that go in seasons over the year as well. You know, what would a, a, a significant chunk of time look like for the project? It's ever growing, and so therefore it is ever changing and ever developing and doing more and more. Um, so everything's done with a Christian message. And everything's done with food. Mm. So I think we all like that type of thing because it's great. Uh, feeds the body and the soul. Mm. Um, we very much know that given the statistics I've already said, that there is an immediate need there just in welfare and looking after the people. Mm. And so uh, we at the centre, the, the converted kindergarten centre, we will have in any given week, we will have sewing classes, computer classes, a gymnasium and fitness classes. We will run all kinds of different meetings just to meet the needs of, of everybody. There's a care ministry program that um, um, we, we give thousands of packs of seeds away every year. So we don't have to give loads of food packages, but we actually we're helping them to grow their own. And then for it then helps to feed them and, and do all kinds of stuff. On top of that, we've got youth clubs, we've got children's clubs. Um, annually, we ran a summer camp program, and that's grown now to being a summer camp program, a winter camp. And when I say camp, that means that they always stay, they don't stay there. We ship them in from orphanages, from different regions where we know that there are children to come in. Um, the biggest growth has been in our youth section. We're the only centre to work with street children, and that's a growing problem. We have a prison ministry, so every week we will be going into the prison to, to look at it. We've put running water into the prison to make it humane, um, and we have quite a programme for ex-offenders back in the centre now in what they're doing. So a stereotypical week, we have seven workers in there, some are, or the other thing is a puppet theatre, um, in the region, there are 20 to 22 or 24 orphanages um, within a half an hour's drive, roughly, which houses over 2,000 children, mainly that have been abandoned. We have this award-winning puppet theatre show that actually goes out to um, each one of these telling the Christian story in a relevant way and puppetry in eastern european countries is huge it's a, it's a very lovable thing we don't do it here in the uk um but actually in eastern europe it's massive and, and they love it and we've won awards and competitions for that as well um so we have two teams that go out and do this we're now visiting schools local governments and things like that and take them in for their kids parties at christmas doing their christmas story so it's great evangelism that goes on around all the way through um I think I've covered the main you, core things there. But it's... Do you ever look back? And you know, part of it is is also bringing hope to to the Ukraine, um, into Lebanon. You know, where does Jesus fit in all of this? How how has faith for you played a part in all of it? It's huge. I mean, my faith has grown enormously by working with it. I think I think there's a huge difference between 
their faith and our faith, and if mm-hmm. I can clarify that. The reason for that is um, I think we see things so much in Western eyes yeah. in how we look at life. Our gauge of success is different to their gauge of success in life. So ours might be, we've got a home, we've got this, we've got that, we've had two holidays, got a car, we can get around, et cetera, et cetera. For the Christians out there who live in that level of poverty, their hope is not in anything of the world. Their hope is in their eternal salvation of where they're going to be one day. And so they live that every day. Even now in these times and terrible times of war out there, they're living life. Everybody says to me, aren't they amazing? Their faith is so strong. And I'm saying, well, it always has been. Because they don't worry about what this world will give. This life is for the short term, eternal life for for the long term. And they live life with that eternal hope of their salvation. And that I've been, that's the biggest lesson I've learned. And then how do we, I convert that in my life, not to be distracted by all the things of what's around me, um, to living it in a life that actually, how do I live that with that eternal hope a lot more in my faith? Do you ever look back on the last 23 years with a bit of a wow i can't believe how much has happened i can't believe how much ministry has happened so many lives have been happening because it's easy to forget to remember and actually mark some of those incredible stories well i think the last couple of years have made that comment more true than ever before and whether that's because i'm getting older <laughs> and oh, you're definitely back. getting older people. I've seen that happen. <laughs> but i think it's i've sensed it more with a passion more mm. um so if, if i take now that you know pastor Sarko, pastor sergey had this vision to plant everything and do it he's now 74 which by that area is just hugely mm. old <laughs> you know but he's still involved and doing a great job yeah. transitioned over the last two or three years to a young guy who transitioned um, to a young guy <laughs> i want mean. to see that <laughs> sorry carry he, on we've transitioned the leadership to another younger person yeah. let me clarify <laughs> that who um is um 31 uh young married family he himself uh, was quite a youth whether he was a rebel in his youth and he um his father was an alcoholic, as mm. so often the case out there. And so he, he was just a, a terror away, lived on the streets mainly. Um, but ultimately, he came to faith. And now he's our mission director. Mm. And this, uh, then we look at the team. We have seven team in total. And, and, and the six that came from the locality, all the same, have come to faith through the work which we've been doing. This last summer, last two summers, we've had the summer camps. We have a team of 15 helpers and volunteers that come in to work with the children on top of the other team. Mm. And every single one of them for the last two years have been have been those that have made a previous commitment of faith in previous years. Mm. So actually to go back to what you were saying, mm. I do look back and see those changes because now I'm seeing that fruit of the fruit and that is actually really exciting and it does make me feel a little old to think that i could never have believed i could only hoped 23 years ago that we would have achieved this that they are spiritually very self-sustaining even if they can't be totally financially self-sustaining 
Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Peter. So we now find ourselves in a crisis. And you have kindly been keeping some of us up to date with what's happening on the ground. Um, you'll be able to tell me exactly how many days now since Russia invaded the Ukraine. I, you know, I'm thinking it's a week, but you know, I, I, I but you've been, you've been, yeah, you've been living this each day. Um, what's happening right now on the ground, and and what are the team experiencing? Because you know, they're there with their families. Yeah. Uh, you know, what is it that they? Well, are last night we had a Zoom conversation, and the reality hit home because they text me to say we can't start the Zoom yet because we can't turn the lights on because mm. there's there is um, rifle fire and shelling going on locally. Um, Lebedin is placed. Uh, if you look at it on a map, it's it's quite close to the Russian border. Mm. It's only thirty kilometers uh, southwest of. Sumi, which mm. Sumi's been a lot in the news mm. um, and a lot of warfare there. It's been absolutely mm. blitzed, yeah. unfortunately. Um, um, and so they've tried to come this way so as to get up to and uh, find their way through. It's the main road through up to Kiev. And so the the army have based themselves there. There's a local, local, lot of local resistance. The impact of that has been is that um, since uh really tuesday that wednesday last wednesday last week when it all kicked off shops have been closed banks have been closed so no money has been able to get out the last of the food has gone um and today i sent you this lovely picture that um uh, our mission director has gone with another guy and they've managed to get a tanker full of milk to feed the families with milk because that's all they could get hold of so um yeah, I mean, amazing stories. Um, there's some really sad ones that come out from the war itself mm. on how the behaviour of the troops, they're getting frustrated, there's not enough fuel for their uh, weaponry to pass through now at the moment. That might change by the time this podcast goes live. But of course, that's causing frustrations and they're becoming more random with what they're doing. Um, we have seen, and I have seen a picture of this, is that they are using what they call micro bombs, um, which is actually, uh, they put them under things like um, fake iPads, toys on the ground. And so if the children don't pick them up, the parents will, they've left this lying and underneath is a bomb that will kill them. Um, and that's just not getting much reporting. Um, that's not great. Um, well, there's no and words I, for that, is there? You know, you've no, just said that's it's just not great. Inhumane. We, we, we well, just don't have language inhumane. for it. We we can't because it's it's almost uh, you just scratch your head, going, "How could how could you do that?" Yeah, uh, it's 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 really hard to find the language yeah. that really uh, I, speaks of the grief that that you by hearing that that story. And I'm hearing stories also. That there are also pockets where they've got special troops coming across, and they are elite troops and. They will be brutal and they will do what they need to do. But a lot of the other Russian troops are even questioning as to what they are doing. Yeah. Um, there are some as young as 16 in Russian uniforms and they're hungry. They don't want to do this. In fact, many of them have Ukrainian families. Mm. You know, they're linked. And so it's just desperate situation, really. It's going to split people for decades gone past this now. So food is scarce. Yeah. Um, trying to find water milk 
uh, that picture you sent me was quite something to see. Uh, this huge milk. Um, I mean, it was a huge milk. It was a uh, tanker, wasn't tanker, it? Was it? Yeah. Petrol tanker. Um, what? What? You know, where are people? Are they? Are they hiding in basements? Are they? Yeah, there are some bomb shelters locally, and so on Sunday, um, we a few gathered in the church to pray, um, but actually. Um, most of them were in bunkers at the time because there was a lot of shelling on Sunday. Mm. Um, there's still a shelling today. Um, night times tend to be busier than day times. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it's everything you probably see on the TV and you see in the Western news yeah. is probably replicated in locally, actually. Mm. There's a few extra bits, but most of what is being reported, I would say, is being fairly accurate to what I'm hearing on the ground level. Um, so how are the staff coping how are they how are they managing themselves? when I asked that question last night um, our mission director and his wife said we're not panicking we live with the hope we have of what is to come um, and we are going to do all we can to help our brothers and sisters and we all do things together so monies that they may have been given for them personally they're just pooling everything together to live as the Christian community would, to actually feed each other, to look after each other, to care for people. They're bringing people into homes and houses and caring. It's it's absolute blessing to see and watch. If I'm totally honest. Yeah. How many members of staff are there? There. Seven. We've got seven, seven. But there's other volunteer people, and we've got the whole church. Since we've started, Chris, what's been interesting, we had this vision to plant a church, and since then we've planted 12 churches um, in across this time. Also, we, we started a Bible college five years, five years ago with five students. We've now had 60 graduates. It's a course that's linked to the Kiev Theological Seminary. It's equivalent to a bachelor's, um, and you've also got, we just put in a diploma thing, so it's more practical. And then uh, if they want to go and do their master's, they can go and do that up at, up at um, Kiev. And so we get some of the lecturers down. We're just thinking, expand it. We've got over 25 people that want to go onto that. We've got 45 young people that meet regularly prior to going onto that course, who are half of those are street children. Um, we have a, our youth pastor has left us to go and now lecture at the Bible seminary itself. He was only 19. He became a Christian at 16. He left school without any qualifications, took to reading the Bible, and through God's Holy Spirit, it just brought it to life. And he now is lecturing at the Ukraine Theological Seminary. They say he's one of the most, most uh, foremost thinkers on New Testament theology. At, and he's now 21. So in some ways, you know, uh, as we talk about the war, we talk about the conflict, what you're also sharing with us is a small seed of an idea where the spirit of God is at work could blossom and grow into something that you never dreamt it could. I mean, you're talking about theological colleges, colleges and church planting. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that bit. I <laughs> knew all the other stuff that was going on, yeah. but you know, isn't it incredible that when God gives a vision for something, then God really will grow. Absolutely. Something. And it's very holistic like that. We do everything with love and evangelism behind it. Um, one story I will just share quickly, and hopefully, uh, you know, it will be able to be shared, is that, you know, we, the puppet show, I said, oh, it goes out to the orphanages and everything else. But actually, we gave them some Bibles, a particular version of a Bible that is very special and is really good. 
long story behind that, and I won't bore you with that. But um, we'd gone out and told the Christmas stories and everything else with the puppet theatre. And this orphanage had 55, has 55 children in it. And they had to go to the bomb shelter. It's on the outskirts of Sumi. This was on mm. Friday night. And so they always, the, the, the um, director of the orphanage said, you can take one thing to every, every child. You can take one thing. Mm. And after they had some food in the, in the bomb shelter, she said, right, everybody show me the one thing. And one by one, they all pulled out their new Bibles. And then something happened that she said, I can't explain because she's not a Christian. She couldn't explain this. She said, not only did they start reading it, but one by one, the 55 children fell on their knees and started praying to God for help and for peace. And she said, I wept and I cried because she said, I didn't have to do anything to calm the children, but they were at peace with God through God's word. Wow. So that's the holistic wow, thing that if you meet the people's needs, eventually, if you're sowing the right seed through all that you are doing, it starts to grow and God blesses it. It's not about what I do. It's about what God does. Um, it's just making sure that as we do this, we're structuring things in a crisis now to, to say, right, what do we do? I'm already thinking about what we do post because whatever happens, there will be something of an end to the war. It may be a, a, a land that's under oppression. It may be a land with freedom. Mm. But what are we going to do with the day when that says it's over? Yeah. What are we going to be like? What are going to be our efforts going to be? And let's have the funds in place so we can straight away go and yeah. do it. Can you talk to us about lessons learned in, in planning for crisis? You know, what, what have you learned over the years about how we can plan uh, towards crisis because we all hit a crisis it, yeah. it looks different for every single one of us for some of us it's a health crisis it's a marriage crisis a worry about finances you know this is that's very different to to what we're seeing with the war in the ukraine well, in but- some ways it is and in some ways it isn't chris and i think the best thing first of all is the foundation on which you build your life mm. and the same thing happens whether it's a ministry whether it's a person what is your foundation stone mm. And if you're in a business or a charity, what is your vision? It's the same thing, your foundation stone, the, the very thing which we find in the New Testament, the capstone, the, the very thing that we grow from, what is it going to be? Once you've identified that, then you work your life around that calling, that vision, the foundation. Mm. If you have that and know that, at a time of crisis, emotionally, you will be impacted. Have I cried? during this last few days. Yes, when I heard the stories of the children, I wept Mm. because I realized what's going on and the severity of it. Mm. There are some stories I just can't share at the moment because it might compromise them a little Mm. bit. Mm. And some of those have been just heartbreaking. But ultimately, they have their vision rooted in what God has told them. The second thing is how you apply that vision in your life. And then in a crisis, It's making sure that that vision is maintained, that you stick to what God has called you to do, even in that. It may be Mm. tough to see that. It may be hard to see that. 
but it's how you set your lifestyle around it, your culture where which you live, how you do everything. And it's the strategy after that that makes it happen. So it, for me, it's about the, those three things, first of all, the vision, the, the culture and the strategy. And then the last thing, I always say it's about the synergy. So you've heard me talk about how this bit works with this bit. And then just by giving those Bibles, I've seen those children come to faith here, the, the camps that have brought others to faith, now leaders, you know, the synergy about it all working together is very important. So managing in a crisis is now taking all of those components and saying, well, how do we make these components work even better together in that time? Mm. And and so when I look at this strategically, I'll look about that and being how I'm positive within that. But the foundation stone, the vision, how we live on a day-to-day -day basis now mm. is the discipline for a crisis. If you said to an athlete, you're going to yeah. go and run 100 meters at the Olympic Games, and I'm going to give that to you next week to go and do. Here's the opportunity, your golden ticket to go and do that. Well, you wouldn't be equipped to do it. Mm. The same thing is we're not equipped for necessary for a crisis. But if I've trained already to do that 100 meter race, then I would look forward to that with great joy to be able to achieve that. It's the same thing with a crisis. Sometimes I always think the crisis can bring hurt, but also they bring great opportunity. And I think if I can, that's what I try to remember. What is the opportunity of what God is saying out of this crisis? Because crises will end. Somehow they'll, they'll end. Yeah. What, what do we make as our opportunity out of that crisis? Yeah. So when you work from the, from the vision and then how you see the opportunities, it's then how you push those out. It's how you change your thinking, being adaptable. I, yeah, I, I love that. I think if you have a foundation that is sure, mm. that whatever then comes along in terms of crisis or storm, if you are pinned down to um, the foundations, then mm. you're not going anywhere. Um, I learned something recently which uh, really blew me away. Um, way before written Hebrew, uh, they would draw pictures uh, in caves, essentially. Uh, you know, you know, draw pictograms of the Hebrew language. And when they talked about God, the the picture that they would draw was a shepherd's crook and a peg. And um, the peg is all about when the storms come. God is the one that will pin you down. He'll weave you in. He'll hold you safe. And I love that they chose a peg as an image uh, for God. You know, we're talking four and a half thousand years ago here, thousands of years before. But, you know, God is the peg that we pin ourselves to. He pins us to him, uh, becomes the foundation of our lives. No matter what happens in the storm, we're pinned down, we're pegged in. I think that's you know we've learned that in the pandemic haven't we and you know it's great to hear that being the low you know the situation here in the ukraine you know what can we be praying for what what is it that we can specifically pray into i think that inevitably the first thing has got to be for peace i mean we've got to pray for peace whatever people's viewpoint um whether you're a russian ukrainian or whether you're anybody else in the world you've got to pray for peace and that, that's the most important thing nobody wants to see lives lost secondly i think um there is for me uh, praying for the opportunity because i've said to you out of crisis comes opportunity and i think 
Um, and what our team are finding on the ground is that people are hungrier than ever to hear about what God has to say about this. Mm. And I think there's an opportunity to, um, mm. to really to make sure that we are praying into that, that we get the right opportunities to share faith in a meaningful way. Um, pray for safety for the team and the, and the work that they're doing and for the centre. Mm. Uh, last thing we need with the brand new uh, building we put up this last year is it to be bombed. Mm. So we, you know, selfishly probably praying that actually from, from the centre's point of view, that God's angels are just watching over, protecting those. I think right now there'll be ongoing peace discussions, which will be negotiations on a pathway to ending it all. I think we need wisdom for those leaders, pray for those leaders and pray for conviction for those that are making the war decisions that mm. they don't want to have war anymore. Mm. Um, they're probably my top five mm. right now. Pete, would you lead us in prayer? Of course I would. Lead in prayer. Yeah. Father God, we want to thank you that um, you've called us to be followers of you. And as we seek to be better disciples for you, then we want to make sure that we're walking in the path that is chosen and correct. But Lord, we pray now for our brothers and sisters out in Ukraine, where there is this war. We pray for peace. We pray for um, sense in negotiations and with leaders uh, that will uh, just break down barriers to bring about the stopping of the loss of life. We pray for those people that are having to evacuate and to run to places and left everything behind. Mm. As they leave everything physical, we just pray that they'll turn to you spiritually as their way ahead going forward. Mm. We pray for the team in Hope Lebedin, that he'll protect them and keep them safe in the small work which they're doing where that's been replicated times over in the church in the Ukraine. I just pray for all of those people that are reaching out to those people in need. Just pray that you will uh, give them strength day by day. You'll provide their needs and Lord, do the miraculous and provide food when there's never been food ever thought of before. Lord, we just ask that your hand of safety and protection will be upon them and may your name be glorified. In some way, Lord, we pray that the opportunity will be given so that we can keep preaching your gospel to so many people. In mm. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Peter, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. If anyone listening wants to learn a little bit more, maybe give and support the mission and ministry of Hope Lebedin, uh, where can they be heading? They can go to the Hope Lebedin website, hopelebedin.org. Um, and there is already places there where you can give. Um, mm. We're setting up an emergency appeal so we can help and work with others to 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 do that. Um, so yes, just go to there, and then we're trying to find safe routes and passages for getting funds out to help them. It's difficult at the moment, but as soon as the right time and safe time is there, we will make sure that goes there. That's great. So it's Hope Lebedin. I'm just going to spell that out. H-O-P-E, because it's pretty obvious. But uh, it's L-E-B-E-D-Y-N dot org. I recognise that that's not necessarily easy to pick out. So it's easy just to give it to you. It'll be in the show notes as well. So if you want to give or pray for Hope Lebedin, just go to the show notes. And you'll see them in there. And uh, yeah, please do be praying. Pete, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate yeah, you, pleasure. appreciate your wisdom, appreciate your friendship. And uh, please know that you know we're praying. We were praying yesterday at church very specifically 
and we'll continue to be praying uh, for all th that uh, the Lord is doing out there, but also we need to see the Lord done. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much. Pleasure. Thank you.